5, episode 41 of the Decoded Podcast. It's safe to say that this is our last episode of summer school and the last episode of season 5 because mm-hmm. you start school on Monday. So I do. we're going to next week if we do one next week it'll be the first episode of season 6 and it will be regular school edition in my opinion. You agree? Disagree? Yep. I agree. It's cool. uh yeah, we're we're it's it's got to pull us pull us into that mode because I think as soon as you directly start to get, you know, the influence of uh, the influence of the school year, it changes the conversation, right? Like we've had, we've had the um, we've had the inspiration and freedom of summer to kind of get some distance from our jobs, some perspective. We get up to ten thousand feet. Some of the stuff we've been able to kind of dig into over the summer. Um, which I hope, you know, other people get to do that too. I mean, we, I think we've, we've kind of manifested with this podcast, you know, if we were to go back through the, the content and look at how we talk about school during the summer versus how we talk about school during the school year, I'm betting there's a, a I'm betting someone maybe smarter than me would notice a difference. There's a, there's something, there's something different in the, in the, uh, in the page focus, you know, like just like really, um, I think summer we get up, as I said, I think we get up to the 10,000 foot level and just enjoy the view from there, knowing full well that we're not necessarily landing back down in the classroom. We get to hang with our fam or we get to go for food or uh, do something creative. Um, some of the stuff that's kind of the keep away game that happens during the school year, right? Mm-hmm. So... I like, I like it. I, um, I wrote a couple of things down. Well, first I, a couple of things mm-hmm. before I talk about a couple of things. <laughs> I like that. The first thing is that, uh, my notes from last week's episode mm-hmm. where I was at the cottage talking about, um, my personnel file, I can't find the notes. So, oh. um, I'm going to have to continue um, when I do process that, that episode, I'm going to have to try to be able to recall that we were talking about HR personnel file collective agreement. So yeah, good luck with that. Eh? Um, it's, it's a lot of content to kind of, <clears throat> it's a lot of content to go back through. I think that's one of the challenges that I always think about. Um, I got, I got to go back to, Jen Apgar, way back in the day, Jen Apgar, she was on Chasing Squirrels. Um, And this is actually, I would love to, you know, other podcasters or anybody that engages in reflective practice. I'm looking at, uh, who can I look at? I'm looking at you, Beth Lyons. I'm looking at you, Melanie White, Matt Aldridge, other people that I've seen that put up um, reflective practice for other people to kind of surf on how often do you go back into those pages so you're looking at your meta tags you know you put up a great blog post technology equity healthy eating video games and you just sit there with your blog one day you're like you know what i think i need to sort of like i need some vitamins here i need a boost 
I need to sort of like remind myself of my own compassionate clout here. And you look at the met, the, the, the meta tag cloud on your, on your blog. You're like, you know what? I think I'm gonna, I cut 22 posts here on literacy. I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread them all. <laughs> um, I don't. I and Jen Apgar, she hit me up with that when she was on the convo. She's like, "Do you ever, do you ever go back and listen?" Because we're talking about. I mean, it was we, we catchphrased it and we talked about active reflective practice, or I mean, it's really theory into action if you jargonize it edu style, right? Like reflective practice, I think in a lot of ways is just it's theory. And if you decide to sort of take a convo that you have with yourself or with a colleague and then sort of test drive your new thinking, you know, you get to the practice side. But the accounting of that motion is really kind of, it's fascinating to me and probably even more fascinating now because technology allows us to project so much more reflective practice out there than you could ever, like, that. that's like, that's, that's like... It's like the foldy chairs and you get them out of the bag. You know, the beach chair you had yesterday on the food thing. Or did you see Jamie trying to put his folding chair back into his, the bag that it came with? And you swear to yourself, you're like, this damn chair, it's supposed to fit in the bag. But it has to go back in in such a specific way that, you know, shoving it back in there, you're going to rip the bag. And then someone's going to say, oh, yeah, I totally ripped the bag when I did that one time, too. I totally ripped the box on it. But I was, that was one of the funny things. I don't know if he's listening to us today, but that was one thing I'm connecting. Like that's like, that's like reflective practice and our capacity now to put out so much content. We're so reflective, you know, and I get the catharsis, like just to be able to talk to you on the weekly and kind of like work through stuff. Our on-ramp's a perfect example. You know, me just us hashing through some of my challenges right now with the fam and people in my fam and, uh, and and the power of being able to work that through just to catch up and you know we could have i could have gotten there yesterday i guess when we were hanging out for food um it's okay that i didn't it's not like i i i don't look at it like oh that was my opportunity to kind of work it through with you but again back to this reflective practice thing back to the sort of like going through our back catalog i'm wondering about some of these active active bloggers podcasters, people that hybrid between people that just, you know, are really effective, thoughtful, reflective individuals. Um, like here's, here's one last, one last example, Jamie Mitchell, like I'm in awe of this dude. I really am the way that he connects his teaching practice with um, things that are happening in politics, his sense of equity, um, his tools for equity, his communication skills for pushing back on trolls and idiots that just like, I, I really am in awe. Like his Twitter feed is quite remarkable. That's a great artifact of learning. That's a great reflective blog. Now Twitter doesn't really, it doesn't lend itself well to being able to go back through your posts necessarily, right? The way that's the way it's tagged, unless you're sort of like finding the best, keeping a list of your most favorite and best hashtags and only posting under that stuff like it's hard to go back through what you've curated but like a dude like that him reviewing game tape like i hope when he goes back and he reads that he kind of thinks to himself he's like damn that shit's good you know what i mean um 
Um, Matthew. Matthew as well. Who's the teacher? Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. He did the TED-Ed talk. Um, he blogs. Oh, Mr. Oh, I got to check him out. I think he's in TDSB. But he's had some amazing posts about... Um, Matthew Morris? Matthew Morris. He did, you know, he had the TED Talk, Fresh Press, Fresh Prince Syndrome. Great. It's a, a great TED Talk. I think it was, it was a good TED Talk. It was, you know, it was definitely one of those informative, passionate. I connected with the story. I appreciated the journey that he sort of invited me into. There was a lot there that held my attention, right? Others, not so much. But that one was like, it held me. But like the content that he's putting out, I think I've asked this before, like, and Jen Apgar, I'll go back to the starting point. Like, what is your process of reviewing your own game tape? There's no way you and I could, I don't know, maybe we could to go back and meta tag all of our, all of our uh, YouTube videos. But then I would do that and I would still not review it. Like I wouldn't go back. I almost feel like reflective practice for me is forward facing all the time. I get it out, I work it out, I take a piece of it, I'm like, I'm going to try to do this next time. I'm going to try and do something with this next time. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being clear with that, bro. No, I, I get it. It go basically, The heart of what you're talking about is going back and meta-tagging all our stuff, and you and I have both said on occasion, we're not interested in doing that. So one of the reasons why I tell you I lost the show notes for last week is so that it helps trigger my brain I love moving it. forward. Because and then I go on a five-minute rant, 10-minute, <laughs> 11-minute. No, it's we're only at 9.49, so I probably got a good six minutes off that one. Right, right. But so the point – okay, so what I wanted to finish with with that is I'm so happy that we did that we did the podcast and I did it from the deck of the house that we stayed at because – my wife sent me a message from the owners of the house that they were very happy to have us again. This was our third year in a row going to this particular cottage mm -hmm. and that they've decided they're not going to be renting it out next season. So I'm a little heartbroken because it was like our home away from home at Grand Bend. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always going to have a piece of that place with me because of the podcast. So hopefully... Losing the show notes and the heartache of finding out that we won't be going back to that house will help me remember that season five, episode 40 was at the cottage and what I talked about there. Um, so what a funny, a 10 minute way to kind of solidify <laughs> that in my brain. Um, I will but, say, let me, I want to push on that. Can I just ask though, and this is the question, cause I'll definitely forget it. You get to be my living post-it note. Do you go back and reread any of your, because you have your blog. I mean, you have your, like, what, what was the last item that like your posts and I won't say let's, I'll, I'll take Twitter out of it. Something that's just slightly more static, like a blog or the podcast. Do you remember how, the last time? Have you ever, have you ever? Or the last time that you went back and reviewed one of your pieces? Yes. I can say yes because I recently looked over the last leadership blog post I wrote about my reflection on the school year that just happened and making the connections between my work and 
the leadership framework and the connections. I recently, I went back to look at it to see if I still agreed with it. So I can say yes to you, but before that, I can tell you no. I, I can't remember the last time I did that. How, do you do it? Do you go back no. and look? No. Okay. No. I, the other day I came across some, um, so I'm okay. Um, let's say on a strategic way. So right now what I'm doing, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before is I'm pulling down. I mentioned this to somebody. Maybe I told Mel White this. I'm pulling down my content off my blog and I've decided that I'm only going to have the current year there. Now, what I'm doing is I'm pulling it down and copying the ones that I don't have uh, in Google Docs. Mm -hmm. So I'm keeping, I'm sort of pulling it back and curating it there. But I'm only keeping the current year, uh, chronological year in there. I'm not going to have it the school year year. Literally, here's 2022. And I'm only going to have that active up in there. So what this has done is I'm pulling down blog posts, um, pulling down poetry, pulling down prose that is not a part of 2022. So I've had my WordPress since 2015 or 16. And right now I'm, I think I'm up to 2019. So that, that is not a me going looking for the nuggets of wisdom. It's just a practical um, culling of my content. And um, part of this is part of this is some of the pieces, as you said, I know some of the pieces don't um, I don't feel connected with them anymore. Um, but I don't want to get rid of them. So um, that's one reason to pull down. Part of it is um, I haven't looked at any of this stuff in a long time. So I'm sort of making a decision around whether or not it's just kind of fluff or um, there's something I can still learn from it. So no, I have never gone through the process of, of going back with the intention of trying to learn. Like I don't, I don't data mine myself. I don't go back and say that I, I know I wrote about this. What did I write about this? Oh yes, I wrote about this. And here's why it's valuable to me. I haven't done that. Never done that before. So, but I am in this interesting space right now on a practical level. Um, I'm sort of bringing down whatever's old content. And some of the pieces I look at, I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's very poorly written. I get that this is a, um, I get that, you know, you could argue, well, leave this stuff up. You've decided to put it there. It's a good, it represents you. But I also, you know, I think I firmly believe, I do firmly believe that it's still my stuff. I can do what I want with that shit. Like if I want to take it down, I'm going to take it down. And I think that's a good, I think that's a good reminder to anyone that posts up content in a public way. Go ahead, take it down, leave it up. That's, that is your primary prerogative. Um, only second to post it up or don't post it, right? Write it for yourself or write it for the public. Those are your two primary um, kind of like controls on your joystick as you're doing this stuff whether you rewrite it or re-edit it or sort of send it out or share it or monetize it, that's all extra after that. But post it or don't post it. I guess it's write it or don't write it. Post it or don't post it. Take it down or leave it up. Your six sort of like if-thens on the front end. Um, so yeah, I don't review. I don't go back through game tape. I think I reflect forward. I think it's more active. Um, I'm still comfortable with the risk of posting in public. 
I think I've almost forgotten about that. Maybe that's dangerous. I mean, I, I maybe it's dangerous, but I think that's just kind of where I've gotten to in reflective practice that I'm okay with putting that out there right away. And that's the same with like my photos or my poetry as well. I just, I sort of accept that's an element. That's a dimension of my, that's, that's like the bridge between my personal professional. That's the dimension of travel between the two. Um, I don't differentiate too much between posting something on Instagram versus posting something on Twitter versus despite that there's different people in different places, but I don't go back and review. I don't. Again, I'll throw it out to, you know, Jen Mac Brown, these other individuals. So the names are just coming to, to mind. Stephen Hurley, Stephen Hurley, Rodenizer, Sarah Lalonde. How about that? Shane, if you're out there, do you go back and review your content? Do you go back? And have you found anything? Did you find a thing that justified the exploration? Now, again, other people have probably meditated their shit better than we have. So you want to find out about literacy? You can go in your content pull that tag up for literacy and you've got the full laundry list of stuff that's connected with literacy. It's kind of a funny thing, eh? When you claim yourself to be a reflective practitioner, you'd say that to someone that's actually looking for you to be a reflective practitioner and they think it's a valuable commodity. I wonder what value they place on it. Because the reflective practitioner is of no value to the person that's asking you like if you say in an interview, yes, I'm an active, I'm a reflective practitioner. I wonder what the person hears and what do they see as valuable in that? We've already had an episode on like, like you got, if you have a, a blog and you've put up, you know, a monthly reflective piece on things that are hot topics in EDU and you've networked and talked and you can talk how you've rolled that back into your practice. Like there's a damn AQ just there, right? You know, Give the blogger a, an AQ for that. If you can demonstrate that you've started with theory, flipped it into practice, and then navigated the community that you're talking about to make it better, th there's an AQ. Damn, there's your own self-directed AQ. So I, I know that people probably still mention that in, in interviews and conversations to different degrees. I'm a reflective practitioner. I mean, part of it, I think, is it's mentioned in at least one of the look fors for something either in the ALP, you know, the learner plan or uh, when you get evaluated in your TPA, there's something about there about being a reflective practitioner. I don't know the language, but there's some suggestion that you are um, iterating and collaborative. And so I don't know. Bro, deep stuff, <laughs> deep stuff. Is can it I like, can I, well, to this simple mind, yes. Can I lighten things up a bit? Do it. Ramona's here. <laughs> she says, good morning. The oven's on. Rhubarb streusel muffins in process. That sounds That's like it. a great idea. Why does she do that? Why does she drop that on us? Well, because you provoke her. That's why. Don't. She's playing. She's playing with on the game board that you've set. And the fact that she's loading this up on the front end, she just stole your cheeky comment about wondering right she's done it she 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 owned the moment so there we go kudos to ramona kudos ramona to too if, so if ramona's out there ramona do you review the game tape do, yeah you, that's a good question and, Does, and is there still a podcast is she still posting up pods i haven't seen anything come across my feed i haven't seen anything come across Ooh. my feed 
I haven't uh, either. But they used to pop up all the time when she mm-hmm. was pushing that out. So I don't prolific. know. Prolific. Prolific. Is that with uh, an F or a PH? A PH. Pro- is it prolific or prolific? It's prolific. Prolific. Okay. The reason why I, I was know that is- I was sipping. I was sipping. So oh. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I came in with a th- prolific. I don't know. My son does hockey training with prolific here in Waterloo. So Oh, the name of the company. Yeah, I love gotcha. it. They're great people too. Shout out to Prolific Hockey in Waterloo. Um See, is Ramona did she post it? See, is she see she's got the oven mitts on, so she can't get back to her <laughs> phone right now to tippy tap out an answer. But there's the two questions is do you review your you know, are you reviewing your 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 pod? You go back in the pod. Um I also wonder, I also wonder. Um you go and then I'll share a thing. Bro, I was just gonna I was just gonna say oh um Uh-oh. Ramona oh, Come on, come on, come on, Cliff, Cliff. I don't know if she's messing, but here's the thing the universe oh. does that to me a lot. Pod is on sabbatical. Okay. Yeah, but do you review like, the game that's like, tape? Ramona? That's, like, that's code for something sabbatical. Oh yeah, for sure. She'll tell us when she's done with secret, the yeah. the muffins. The thing about the muffin, what's killing me about the muffins <laughs> is that you and I are right here casting right now, so yeah. I can't go get a muffin. But yeah. if I do get any baked goods today, I will make sure to take a pic, tweet it, and make and tag both of you. Okay. Now, so what I wanted to do, Clough, was do I wanted it. to shift gears and talk about our food experience yesterday and meeting yep. Jamie in real life. But you said you wanted to say it, say a thing. And Ramona says she's working on her pod comeback. Ooh. Cool. I can't wait to, uh, I can't But she wait still didn't answer the question. No. Well, she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to. And then what's going to, are we done? The, are the three of us done with our leadership podcast? Are we done? So this is, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to come at it in a different, a different manner. So, um, I found a few new people to follow. I did this the other day on Twitter. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that moment, like, Oh yeah. See, for me, the problem is that I, I like it. There's saloon doors. Twitter has saloon doors on me. I come, I'm here. And then I'm out. And then I'm off on the frontiers. I'm leaving. Oven mitts. Sorry, Cliff Clough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I come and go. I burn it. I salt my account. I find another account. I start following people again, right? Like I'm I I just back to that blog thing. It's my feed. I'll do what I want with it. So um, but there's in doing so, it's like I create these Easter eggs, bro. Cause I sometimes will, you know, go down the rabbit hole on there and like. You follow this person, you may like this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't checked that person's feed out in a while. So then I start following again. And I'm sure this person's like, what the hell? Like, what's up with Clough? Like, I thought I was already following him. They may have been thinking the same thing. Like, wow, Clough hasn't posted in a while. Well, I said, it's because I totally, I burnt my my profile to the ground and I started over. Um, maybe. I may be sort of giving myself too much credit there. So anyways, I refollow this person. And this person I approached... Oh God, it was easily maybe in year two of chasing squirrels. Year two of chasing squirrels, I approached them and they were putting up some really interesting uh, sort of union grounded, clever 
and and savvy and supportive tweets like i was just like this is good stuff like this is really good how they're getting and this is back in the day when we were still 140 characters remember those days you had to sort of really be tight with what you're saying 140 characters um and this person was just like they were rocking it i was like this is good they were threading well like threading well so it's like each good ideas following up supporting other people that were jumping on and staying in the conversation when they put something up like they were just using twitter really well to have a conversation with people so i reached out to them like hey i really i want to i want to hear a little bit more about this this thing that you post and i i identified the um oh fam's coming down okay let so me just let me just mute for a second this yeah, is yeah, this sure. is life so this is rare for chris as well uh his family doesn't usually come downstairs like this, but uh, I wonder what's going on. I wonder if the cat's gotten into some trouble. Maybe the kids forgot that uh, he does a podcast on Saturday morning. Who knows? Usually we're done by now as well. Usually we're done by now because lately we've had to we've had to jump in and then jump out. Uh, but today I, it looks like we have a little bit of extra time. Chris is back. What happened? Oh, it's just the fam. Half the fam is going out for a thing. They're going uh, going to see a play. So oh, I had told them, right. they're, yeah, they had said, uh, they had said, oh, we don't want to jump in. We don't want to come. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on down. I'll see you come down the stairs. And so I'm in the basement. Anyone that's watching the video feed, I'm in the basement. Um, so can I just, can I wrap this thing up? And it kind of, it, it'll wrap back to Ramona's moments. Sometimes go back to a pod. Not much as the blog. Okay. So she answered. Appreciate that. Um, so, uh, this person was set up, we're going to do it. They're like, yeah, sure. Sounds cool. They checked out my content. Now, when, back in the day when I was doing this, I have some very, um, like notable and noticeable individuals on there that are from my school board. So I, I was, I was fortunate that if I came to a person and said, look, like, he, like the, the work speak kind of spoke for itself. Because they would see these individuals are like, oh, you've spoken to so-and-so. Like they were sort of recognizable individuals in our board that were doing kind of interesting things and being able to talk to them and share um, was was awesome. It was really great. So they would look at that. And this dude did. He's like, oh, you were able to talk to this person, this person, this person. I'm like, yeah. And so it, it kind of set the it set the bar because people were like, oh, wow, cool. Like, and you want to talk with me about stuff? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like you're fascinating. So it kind of gave a little bit of like, there was a little bit of a cool factor, but it was also, um, I think it did a calming thing as in, okay, I recognize these people and and they are like solid people and they were willing to talk to you. So I guess I can talk about my space that you're noticing. So we were negotiating as you do, you know, time and place. Um, they were interested in what types of questions would be asked. So I kind of provided that as well. I'm like, here's a frame. And like, much like now, I either do a picture, I would do like, I would do something to kind of like, shape it a little bit um so i would do a mind map back in the day or i would just say here's this here's here's what i noticed about what you put up there so i'd like to just talk about these things or like okay i can talk about those things we were set to set to go and then i got a dm through twitter and the person said we need to talk and i'm like uh oh like i can't do the podcast I'm like okay okay um and they just they shared they were advised by their principal not to do the podcast because they should not talk to, they shouldn't be talking to the media. So at first part, I, I may have shared this with you, and I know I've said on this face, I'm like, whoo, 
I'm the media. Like, that's kind of cool. I'm like, I'd never thought of myself as media. I'm like, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm, I guess I'm the media too, which kind of makes sense. If you're putting out a pod, yeah, you're sort of like, you're gray zoned, right? You can't just be the teacher anymore if you're actually interviewing and putting that up for other people. Like that is, you know, the media, I think. So the media was very much, I think, being told, like when we said that, like somehow I'm a news, newspaper person or I'm a, I'm a, a journalist, right? I thought that's cool. I'll put that in my Twitter profile. Um, I'm the media. The end, but it, it crashed it. And then we kind of, we stopped kind of talking a little bit. I still follow this person's feed. That's the person that actually came up as a, you might be. And they're at least, you may be interested in following this person. And their feed came up and I, and it, in their profile, it says that they're a vice principal in my system still. So I refollowed. I didn't get a chance to actually go and check to see what they posted lately. But this now circles back to where you were asking about what up with our uh, talk me through your process, which was that, you know, we put up a, a, couple, a few good episodes there, us as the media. And I believe, I, I believe Maharg's shifting into an administrative role in September, if they haven't already. So the question now becomes, you know, does that conversation continue? Was it just a good, you know, it's kind of like, we'll always have Paris. Like it was, was it just a moment in time that we just kind of go fondly think about? Um, does it still feel like a necessary conversation? Does it feel like we need to have that conversation away from other conversations? You know what I mean? Cause we kind of made it a very, we, we made it special. Do we need to make it special? Was it just our access point to talk about leadership moving forward? For me, part of that conversation and other things that I learned about him in, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not moving towards administrative path anymore. And will I lead? Yep. I'll do other things. So I guess that's, that would be my contribution to the conversation. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing that I'm wondering. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering where does this, where, not just are we going to do it, but do we have access still to what made us want to do it in the first place? Okay, so I'm like, now I'm scared to ask you any more questions because every time I ask you a question, uh, it's like we're running out of pod time here, Clough. Anyway, okay, so here's the thing. Number one, is Ramona able to continue to participate in the podcast now that she is admin? That's well, sorry. These are the questions I'm asking myself. Number one is Ramona still in? Does she feel that she's now compromised because she's a formal leader in the system? Number one. Number two, do I care about your perspective of leadership knowing that you don't want to become formal admin? The answer is uh, no, I don't care. Uh, if we're, if the three of us can still have the conversation, I'm, I think you have a lot to provide to that conversation. Number three, I'm on the fence still. So I think that it's important. I think it's important to have something out there for people to look at and examine around leadership, whether they want to become formal leaders or not. Um, because for me, I think it's important. I think it's important that even though you're not a capital L leader in a system, there are still other ways to lead. And you can really foster that and and grow 
into different roles and different spaces and make a positive impact, even though your job title doesn't um, say that you're in a position to uh, make a positive impact in an easier way, so to speak. So having said all that, I would love that podcast to continue. And I would, I like the new iteration that there is one of us who wanted to become an administrator that did. There's one of us who thought about maybe it was the path and now knows it's not. And there's one of us who's still in this, in the in-between and is open to talking leadership in a way that can help other people move into leadership without having to be a formal leader if they don't think that's the place for them. There's other places, there's other ways to lead. Um, and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but like, no, man, you learn, you learn how to be a better leader and you push into spaces and you make yourself known and you make your position known and you build and you build for positive change. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. So the two out of the three of us have given our little bit. Ramona, if you want to jump in and drop a line about that, go for it. But if you feel that you don't want to do that, then don't do that, right? All good. So that's my take on uh, the, that podcast. If we could shift, unless you want to say something, Chris, can we shift into meeting Jamie yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. So I went to Newmarket yesterday for an, another food adventure that was um, curated by Chris. So thanks, Chris, for that. And You're thanks welcome. for thanks for picking up the cost of most of the food we ate. I realized that this morning. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and for driving me around to the different places. So I went to Newmarket. Chris took the lead. We had some amazing eats. And I would say, aside from hanging out with Chris, the best thing that happened yesterday was that one of our book club for men participants, Jamie, he who's been part of the book club since day one, he uh, he came to Newmarket to meet up with us and he brought his eight and a half month old son because mom was at work. Jamie was with his son, so he he brought his son. And cute, cute as a button, the kid. Very chill, mm-hmm. very chill. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was awesome. We um, We found... So at the time that Jamie was coming, we were picking up pizza from a a pizza truck, a food truck that Chris had arranged for the pizza to get the pizza. A's A's pizza truck. A's pizza truck. Yeah, A's pizza truck. Good pizza, good pizza. It was excellent pizza. It was like gourmet pizza from a food truck. Amazing. Um, (laughs) Something that would be on one of those Food Network shows, in my opinion. So we get the pizza at a at a car dealership. So the guy was parked at a car <laughs> dealership, but it was not a hospitable place for three dudes and a baby to be. <laughs> Ain't uh, that a movie? Yeah, it is. Three I don't know teachers what and a baby. That's awesome. Three teachers, three and, teachers a baby. and a baby. Um, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> it was not. It was not the place to sit and eat and chat. No. So because Clough knows his neighborhood, he's like, "Let's go down the street. There's a park." So we went to the park and we found some shade. We set up the table. I got pictures. I got proof. We set up a table. We set up our chairs. We had good pizza and good conversation. Yep. And the baby was chill. 
he was just hanging out with us um and it was yeah. a fantastic experience and it was this is the third time that someone from the book club has come out to the food extravaganza and chris and i were reflecting on this experience of having jamie come out and i'm not going to speak for you chris but i feel joy i feel yeah. joy that we could reverse engineer a friendship that it starts you know online twitter of virtual spaces doing a book club to somebody gathering his child and driving half an hour to sit with us and chat and to break bread and to get to know each other as friends um so epic experience it was the highlight so for me it was the food was the last thing on my list hanging out with you guys was number one the food's number two and the food's fantastic so uh, i just wanted to throw that out there that good things can come from this online world as we all know and it's cool to be able to call jamie a friend and it's cool that jamie could legitimize saying to his wife yeah i'm gonna grab the baby i'm gonna go hang out with these two guys that i've never met before in my life we've <laughs> seen each other virtually but he's been in the book club since 2020 so it's not like the guys he's hung out with us enough that he knows he knows who we are what we're about generally speaking um so before i let you jump in chris uh ramona <laughs> ramona gets the play here ramona says your process always willing to talk with you two always interested in talking leadership whatever leadership looks like formal informal okay so ramona says she's in and then the rhubarb muffins in the oven and now zucchini muffins so she's on fire this morning with the muffins yeah it's a good side hustle she's making hope she's she's making bank off those somehow. she's not she i don't think she if she's if anything she's giving them away if anything but that's just my take on ramona have this sort of like this sort of image of the chest freezer in her basement you open it up it's like just stuffed with different seasonal muffins save the keratins <laughs> Save the carrot ends. I need them for the muffins. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw out the zucchini skins. I need those for the muffins. Just a whole freezer full of, you know, basically stuff that should be going in the compost pile. But they make good muffins. That happens. So, Chris, uh, your thoughts about your thoughts about our experience yesterday and Jamie jumping in. The um. It, I kept on having the, what I love about, what I love about um, kind of, I guess, hosting is, and I was saying this, I was saying this to Karen yesterday, because the first thing she asked was, you know, like, how was the food? Like, was the food, was the food good? I'm like, yeah. And I said, it was really cool to see that moment of introducing a thing to someone and you think they're going to like it and they do. And it doesn't have to be for the reasons that you think that it's sometimes it can be for the reasons that you think, but then other times it can be, they find their own reason for liking it. I think that, uh, <laughs> props to, um, chicken plus Aurora and the, um, the milky drinks. And, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't do the justice to explain how good those drinks are. You know, it's like a, it's a, a Korean soft drink. 
it's one of the wee cans, like it's probably 200 mils. It's a small can. Um, but I would send to you, it was funny. We got there. I'm like, yeah, you have to try one of these. And I could see you processing like, all right, well, I didn't, I didn't know that was going to be a part. We were going there specifically for the Korean fried chicken, which I had said to you was, you know, tasty. It was, I really enjoyed it. And you're like, yeah, I'm down. I'll give that a try. And then that was the curveball, right? Like that was the little, like, we're here. Yeah. We're still here for the chicken, but you got to try this drink too. And it was completely accident. So I had gone to this place, like I told you previously with, with Madeline, my daughter, and um, the guy suggested, yeah, you got to try one of these drinks. We're like, really? Can sometimes be hit or miss. You're like, okay, that was tasty. But the milky drinks were good, right? You grab the banana. I just had the straight up vanilla one. I kind of described it as slightly fizzy, like melted kind of ice cream flavor. That was as best as I could kind of define it. Um, but it was the moment of watching, like just seeing that you were enjoying it. And you kind of found your own thing that you enjoyed about it. And I feel like that's, that's one of the cool things about being a host. Like if you enjoy hosting people and kind of being that MC, you know, kind of like helping people have a good time, it sort of taps into my hospitality heart. Um, and the second thing that I really loved, even though I just did the three, the second thing is um, I also really appreciated the being able to sort of see my town through your eyes. So when you ask questions about this and that or noticing like, oh, is this the whatever, like watching you connect dots and ask, ask, ask questions about Newmarket was cool. And I like that too. Um, I like that there's some things I kind of knew and I could kind of speak to something or kind of show you a thing and like, hey, this is kind of an interesting story. Um, and it kind of gives you a little bit of an appreciation like of your own, your, for me, it gives me an appreciation of my town, right? And then the third thing or the second thing but the third thing is also just, and we did it a little bit less with this one, but it still happened. Like that conversation with the um, the server at Chip and Malt was really interesting. So Chip and Malt is a fish and chips place in uh, in Newmarket, and they're putting up good food now. I I didn't feel connected to it when the place first opened six or seven years ago, but the story she shared, like the by the way, my family bought this place out. Like my parents own this, so, and and I work here because you know we we asked you, I asked, I forget how long you've been working here. And they're like, yeah, I've been here for like six years since pretty much the beginning, and my parents bought it. And like, really, that's really cool. Like that that sparks your interest that you get to talk to that person. And me talking with um, the pizza truck owner and him talking about his his frustration with chain restaurants and in particular, you know, calling out Tim Hortons and Tim Hortons and saying, you know, these places, they make something oval or round and they melt something on it and they call it pizza. He goes, that's not pizza. This coming from a guy, as he said, I'm up at 4 30 AM and I'm starting to prep my ingredients. I'm, I, he said, you know, good pizza dough. He, the guy's a pizziolo, right? So he's, he's been trained to make good pizza. He understands it at a level that, like far beyond the consumer palette, right? He talks about moisture of dough. He talks about gluten elasticity. He talks about specific choices of cheese, one over another. He talks about ingredients like, like they're his own kids and he's introducing them to you with the pride and joy of a parent, right? So I'm standing there at the window. You're off talking with Jamie and he's just going off and I loved it. I loved it. It's like this moment of poetry that was unexpected. So it was a deeper level. So now I kind of like, I'm like, he's got me. 
I'm going to try and order pizza from this guy as often as possible. I want to bring his pizza home to meet my family. Like, it's like, it's like this kind of weird. There were a lot of really cool little moments there. And as you said, culminating, kind of culminating was sitting with Jamie and his, uh, and his son and just shooting the shit in the park. Right. Three teachers and a baby having some snacks, having some snacks. So. I tweeted out, uh, so I responded to your tweet with a photo of the three of us, and I, I called, I said, three male teachers and a baby, uh, because that's important to me, part of the book club for men thing. But anyway, it was it was a darn good time, and um, it was funny when Jamie pulled in, so he pulls in the parking lot, you're talking to the pizza, pizza, pizzaolo, pizzaolo, is that how you say it, pizzaolo? The gentleman who was going off, he was giving you everything, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. See, in those mm -hmm. moments, all I see is chef to chef. Yeah, we That's got it, it got technical. It's It'd good, be like though. someone like, rolling up in front of your house and talking about, you know, the education, the blade, the blade <laughs> angle of your lawnmower. Oh, oh. I know that's, I know, yeah. see, like, I know that, that you, you get it, you get it, right? It's your specialty. What's the thing that activates your specialty? So Jamie gets out of his car and comes around to open the door for for the baby to hang out. We talk and goes, "What's going on over there?" I'm like, "Oh, Clough started asking the guy questions, and now he's gonna he's telling Clough the history of pizza." And I'm like, "Jamie's like all good," and I'm like, "Well, look at Chris's face. Like you were like a kid in a candy store, lit up. Like that's what you do." So I'm like, "Yeah, he's good." Um, and I I'm like, "We're gonna get out of here as soon as Chris is done. Mm -hmm. We're gonna find a place to go eat." And he's like, "Awesome." So we were just chit chatting, um, but it was. I think those are some of the the most amazing parts of the the food experiences. Are talking to the people who are making the food, like when you talk to the guy and the and the lady at the feedery about their concept and what they were doing and how good the oh, food yeah, was. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It was epic. Like the lady was so happy to hear our thoughts about the food. And when I went back in to use the bathroom at the chicken place, you know, I was like, I love the food. I love the drink. You could see like people are happy. They're like, thank you for, for sharing this. Thank you for eating our food. Thank you for telling us what you thought. Um, because that's part of the experience, right? Um, Cause when I tell my guy friends, they're like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, it's more than just, it's like, it's like BC for men's more than a book club. Decoded podcast is more than just a podcast. The food, the food of Paloozas that we do are more than just the food. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where you and I find the details in life that light us up. It's the memento mori. It's like living our best life, not letting mm -hmm. it pass in front of us. It's more than just the one dimension. There's several dimensions. Anybody who will take the time to listen to us will they'll hear about that. So even the picture, me, me being focused on the camera, you setting up the table to eat and Jamie holding his baby. It's like, this is another dimension of what guys do. Right. And, and I want to throw this out there. The us gathering and not talking locker room talk. When we talked about that yesterday, about how the book club is like a great place for us to hang mm -hmm. and to be cerebral. Um, you know, I would say to be whole, to be whole, okay. whole adult, whatever you right? want. To call yeah. It. Like whole adult, adult men, human, right? Like the different dimensions of us and stuff. When I, sometimes when I tell people about it, they just think it's a bunch of guys getting together, talking sports and, and locker room type <laughs> stuff. It's like, what? And the, but the most ironic thing is, in all my times in a locker room, 
it's never been what people think it is. But anyway, it was it's cool to be whole, as you'd say. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have the experience. Dominique says it's a baking morning at her house too. Zucchini brownies and blueberry muffins. I would not think to put zucchini and brownies together, but hey. Actually, you know what? No, I think I, I think I have come across somebody. You ever had a black bean brownie? I have. I've even made them. What's your so your what's your in a word? You're you're good with it? Acceptable. Acceptable. Yeah, that I guess that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. I have I've had two. I haven't had the one that has met the acceptable line yet. I'm imagining zucchini in a brownie though is like probably is like it's a moisture thing. Also, it's the way to sneak the veggies in. Let's be honest. You know your kids love brownies. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you thought you thought you loved my spaghetti sauce that has like carrots and other sort of things blitzed in with the tomatoes. You're gonna love my brownies, and I know I'm getting in a couple more portions of vegetables, right? That's I get that. I'd rather not know. If you're going to feed me a zucchini brownie or a black mm -hmm. bean brownie, I don't mm -hmm. want to know. I just want you to present it as a brownie, and then I'll let you know what I think. Because That's sometimes one, <laughs> once I know, I it it gets in the way. I don't want to know. Just if I'm asking for a brownie. Mm -hmm. So if or you give me your version of a brownie, whatever it is. I don't want to. You know. had me a brownie. You had me a brownie. Right. You had me a brownie. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it with. Uh, Pre-ruin it. Don't pre-ruin pre it. Yeah, 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 yeah. pre-ruin it. Because it could be ruined it. on its own, right? Here, taste this. It's healthy. Bro, before we go, I would okay. love, I would love if we if we could hit upon men and creative. I don't know. Yeah. But I've got a little bit more time. I don't know about you, because I know yeah, you have friends. Okay. No, I got freestyle. I know, I know, I know my boy is still, I think he's still chillaxing. And the other 50% have left for the day. So yeah, today's today's a little bit more free flow of the day. I'm really looking, can I just, can I start with, here's something I'm really looking forward to. And it kind of, it dovetails into what you're talking about. So my wife and my daughter are going to see the Harry Potter show. The Yeah, you're doing the thumbs up. By all accounts, when they, when we got the tickets, I was like, ah, I'm okay. I'm lukewarm with the Harry Potter lore. I mean, and even the fact that the reviews have come back and it's just, the most amazing show ever. I said to her, I said, I'm not, I'm not a fan boy for the actual story. I appreciated the stories. I didn't like, I got to read the next book. I kind of read the book. I was on the bandwagon, but I don't, um, I never, I never fully immersed myself in there. Right. So, um, similar fears to, feels to like the twilight series, like these other ones, I've read them. I enjoyed them as just stories, but it didn't like grab my soul. So when she said, I think I'd like to go see it. I'm like, well, Jake's kind of lukewarm to it. Check with Maddie. Maddie's read a few of the books. And Maddie's like, yeah, I'm so down to go see it. So they're having their day in Toronto. And then Jake and I are going, we're going to see a play as well. So my son and I are going to see a play, uh, Young People's Theatre in Orangeville. And we're really looking forward to that. And it's a, it's an adapted play for kind of like the tween audiences. The storyline is, um, the storyline is not like like it ain't it ain't um it's it, there's gonna be something deep to it. it it's gonna focus on 
uh, the loss of a sibling in a family. It's going to, there's going to be some identity things. I got to, I'll check the, I can drop the name of it. Check my e-tickets here. It's called, uh, She Kills Monsters. She Kills Monsters. And it's, um like I said, one sibling experiences the loss of their their sibling and then finds some journals from that um from their sibling and the journals talk about dungeons and dragons so i'm imagining that they this idea of sort of slaying monsters works into the um recovery the morning of the of the character so i said to jake and i think i told you this i said to him like I don't know. Did I tell you this? I think I told you this. Like, it's got to have, have some kind of heavy emotions in it. It's going to have some big emotions. And he point blank and, blank and he turned to me like, well, I hope there's some emotions in it. Like just practical, right? Like he sort of, that he just did his whole critique, his whole sort of like expectation of deliverables for theater for the rest of his life. There better be some emotions in there. Like, well you know said, bro. You know so we're cool going, we're that? going, we're going, as soon as sorry but i want to say this and then you do continue. every time you talk about something we talked about yesterday it connects right to the food i was eating at that time Go oh on. what were you eating do you remember what you were munching on yeah we're talking ice cream oh God, yeah the kawartha that was a nice stop too that was good that was good ice cream and up on the hill just sort of like looking at the city it's a good it's a weird it's a very sort of like um like residential suburban kind of a look but up on the hill overlooking the the buildings of Newmarket, Davis Drive, was awesome. So, um, yeah, so he and I are going to do something, you know, artsy-fartsy tonight. We're going to go see a play together. Now we're going to hit Orangeville, probably try and find a bite to eat. Um, this story that I'm telling you right now, you could just as easily slot in, and maybe this is, maybe this is what we're talking about, pushing against the stereotype a little bit. My son and I are going to see a baseball game. My son and I are going to a rock concert. And just as normal and just as as cool, my son and I are going to see a play tonight. Um, and I think that kind of dovetails into, you jump in about the arts, our conversation, what you're thinking about um, the arts and creativity. Well, I mean, I do love the, my son and I. I think the bottom line, the bottom line for me is my son and I are doing something doesn't matter what it is agreed agreed um, sometimes i love it like so for me it's multi-dimensional sometimes it is a ball game sometimes it is a play sometimes it is going to the store to pick up dessert you know let's go and put our heads together and see what we're going to do um, my son and i i love it my son and i are volunteering that's a new one that i put in with my oldest son right so it's like i love it but you said something that just hit me so hard yesterday and again, we're, we got the we got the the French fries, the posh fries, the chips, and we're walking from the chip place to sit down and eat some chips. And and I'm reflecting on you dropping that whole idea of um, men and, and creativity, and what you're noticing in your spaces, in your world, and how you navigate that. When you put a call out there for people to jump into a creative space with you or involved with you somehow, you're finding that it isn't the men that are jumping into it. And then I made a comment to you about some of the hockey dads that I hang with who, I, like, I basically concur. I'm not seeing that either. Like, I'm not getting 
I'm always li listening to people, hear them talk about what they do. And some of it, so I have to correct myself, some of what they do is creative. It's just not seen that way because it's a typical, it's a typical male role. role. So like one of my buddies, he works for the city of Kitchener, but he's also a licensed mechanic. So on the side, he fixes things. And I think on initial hearing of that, most people wouldn't think that's creative, but I think it's really creative. And actually, I think I told you this one time he was fixing my wife's car and he was taking apart the car. Like I was literally watching him. He had a, he had a printout of how the car comes apart in that section. He was literally taking it apart. And as he's taking it apart, he broke a screw. To me, that's the end of the world. I'm like, oh my God, where are we going to get the right screw? He's like, bro, I've got like a thousand screws in my garage. I know exactly the, the type, the size, the fit. Like, don't worry. And as I watched him do what he does, many people would see it as a technical thing. I saw it as very creative, the way he took things apart, the way he put it back together. He's like, it doesn't have to go back the same way it came apart. I can do what I want to make it fit better use better materials and tools to ensure it lasts, that it can take more. And I'm hearing this, I'm like, bro, you are a creative. And this one guy, he doesn't push back on that. He likes to hear, He like he's open to hearing about who he is and how it looks to other people. But most of the dads don't talk creative. Um, and even when they look at my video stuff, like you and I were talking, they don't see it as creative. They just see it as, oh, he makes videos. Like, so what is missing? And then you connected men, creativity, and wellness, which I think is huge. You totally smacked me over the head with that one because it does bring us, I know for me, my creative, and I would, I would say I'm not, I never thought of myself as being creative. Um, having, after meeting you and dabbling in some stuff, I do see that I have a creative side now I'm I'm kind of fostering it and I'm trying to show my kids it's okay to be creative like it's okay like both of my boys have a side of them that they probably keep from their male friends because they they're going to get chirped about it or whatever me I'm like you do what you do if that works for you and you enjoy that then keep doing it because it's part of you that it's a, it's a different part of you that needs to be nurtured to make you whole, right? So even the book club, they people here, I have a book club, and they're like, they don't know what to do with it. They're like, what, what do you mean, a book club? How does it, what do you mean? How does it work? Because I'm a guy. And because I look a certain way, me being in a book club doesn't fit in their, in their mindset of who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, no, if you leave space for that, you can do that too, and it will make you whole. Like the book club, it's a creative. The video is a creative. But those things are have helped me connect with people and connect with new ideas that I hope have made me a better person, a more holistic person. And I, I like that idea about me. It makes me feel good. And if I'm feeling good and I'm thinking good, how is that not going to help me? So that is my spiel. But like... I know that you've, I think you've got a different mindset about it. And before I let you have that, I want to apologize to Ramona. I missed this message. Her muffins are for her staff. She's a new VP and now she has new staff to test her baking on. Mm. So Chris, tell us, 
tell me more about this uh, men and creativity and how you're not seeing you're not seeing people step up and want to I don't know put that out there. Well, first, I mean, what I observe, you know, you make an observation, you know, a broad statement about a thing not happening. Um, I'll step back immediately and say the problem could be me, as in I'm not, I don't have the tools, I don't have the connections, I don't have the sense, the sense to sort of seek out um, individuals that identify as male in creative spaces. And this is part of it is I'm I'm, I'm playing to a certain gender. I'll, I'll, I'll put out right on the front. I'm sort of I'm noticing a gender stereotype. Um, part of this noticing started um in, in while in school and getting sort of book clubs and poetry clubs off the ground and looking at um the demographics within the group and noticing observing that you know individuals that identify as male we could say you know like young young boys teenagers um seemed to not sort of orbit these creative spaces, um, the arts, these art spaces that at least I'm in, I'm inhabiting. So, if you know, you've you you wonderfully pointed out, you know, in one of our previous conversations, how powerful it was for you to notice that student in your class that made you see yourself in school as well. I forget um, if the, the student was Lebanese or had some background story. There was something there that you're like, wow. Like it, on one part, you're like making sure your kids were all seen. But in that moment, you felt sort of seen in your own space too. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm like you at a younger age. Like, this is kind of cool. We are in the system. We are here. We are doing school. And I don't know, maybe you can shake that that story out. But I remember you talking about that was a powerful moment for you where you sort of saw the kid and saw yourself. Um, holy, you kind of, you, we said the word like the whole you for that moment. And so, you know, as I sort of navigate through, when I think about how I kind of navigate my, my maleness, I do like, I'm not an individual, my small talk. Like I don't, I don't, feel like I fit into those conversations. They're like, hey, did you did you see the Blue Jays game last night? And chances are I know the score. Chances are I do. But I probably saw it on the ticker tape on the news. Did I sit and watch the whole game? It was a nail biter. Okay. Okay. I saw the highlights. I'm good. But I'm not looking, I'm not actively looking or feeling like I fit into those kind of conversations. Um do I recognize that it's a part of socializing? Absolutely. I don't recognize it as specifically those topics. I don't recognize them as specifically um, an intersection for me. It's not a part of an act. I would say it's a latent part, not an active part of my identity. I enjoy sports, but not at a like, not at, not in a, I would say, in, I'll say it in a stereotypical manner. So as I'm sort of navigating my spaces, I am looking for individuals that just want to be creative. Like the idea of being a creative is not bound to a gender 
or bound to an identity. And you've kind of pointed it out, you sort of identifying that you making the videos and us talking about that's a creative endeavor. That, that to, to me, I identify as a creative endeavor. And we have other creatives that are around us that we follow and enjoy. Um, even individuals like Gary Vee, who on one hand is like, you know, or, or Goggins, or um, who's the dude that does the breathing? I always forget, uh, Wim Hof. Wim like Hoff. these guys that you sort of like are very strong male personalities. When they talk, or you're talking about your mechanics, strong male personalities that can provide an identity kind of flag for someone. Um, how they're being creative is not, you know, bound to picking up paint right? There's something about the creative process that's just an opening into other spaces. The being able to sort of see problems with, with multi-dimension, the idea that an outcome isn't assured just because you have vision towards making it happen. There's variables in there and you're willing to navigate the variables. Like there's conversation, there's negotiation, there's a lot of really cool bits and pieces to the creative process. I've, I haven't found myself in it i'll say specifically in teaching where i've been able to find uh or kind of light up or inspire or aspire young males to sort of stick with creative endeavors now on one hand we're talking about a broader i think a you know a problematic kind of uh problematic element of education that the arts are kind of being squeezed and i can sort of talk about that like the money towards something like that tends to fall short when we're like you posted up about steam like that steam conversation from stem is a that like that's that's just you know there's a certain like stick that is well worn and there's a horse lying on the ground that that conversation has been i appreciate it um i haven't seen a lot of movement on that conversation and i know the money doesn't support the additional a it typically the money isn't put in there because it's steam not stem it's put in there for the first four and if you can get some arts in there too other people's experiences maybe they've had other success they sort of see it so when i when i look to sort of try and be an activator or as hurley would say like that catalyst in creative spaces i see individuals who identify as female move into those spaces i think um far more easily or willingly than males being creative wanting to be sort of comfortable with that identity of being creative have i met individuals identify identify as female that say yeah i'm not creative and they're just like forget it i'll never do it i'm not that's not me i can't do it i won't do it i get that i'm down with that too i understand that wholeheartedly but one of the things that I've identified, um, like in my household, we are kind of an arts household. My, I come, I come through foods. I did um, fine art. I did drama. Like those were kind of like French languages too. My daughter is going into an arts program. My son loves to draw comics and he loves to sing. Um, my spouse formerly did drama, right? That was her sort of teachable drama English. So we have an arts, we're still supporting sports. Kids, you want to go do sports? Kind of go do sports. So even though it's not my center, like that's not my hub, my kids, they've done sports as well. Maddie's done soccer. We've had soccer. We've had uh, gymnastics. We've had rock climbing. These are all sort of like things that have happened there. 
I, I just, I, it's really, it's a mystery. I don't know what you've done with the book club for men to open up conversations that allow everybody at that table to explore different elements of themselves. And, you know, so far it's been through a book and the books that we've covered, you know, right now doing the Malcolm X book, it doesn't just sit with the content. We've, we've all managed to sort of find a place in the story that opened a door to us sharing something about ourselves. And that's a creative endeavor. That's not a technical endeavor. There was no question in this book that said, Hey, what's it like for you to navigate racialized spaces? What's it like for you to try and get dinner on the table? Like they were no direct questions to us, but you had individuals in the room that are making those connections and talking about it. And then you also had people sort of dropping a sports reference every once in a while too. Like that came into the mix. So when I talk about noticing, noticing some people being able to access creativity in a way that others can't, I connect it with mental health for myself because I know in my own life, what's, a, what's allowed me to sort of kind of navigate some of the challenges within my family, some of the challenges with people that are close to me, was that I had a creative endeavor that allowed me to see myself outside of the situation. So writing poetry, painting, um, taking photos. And I would say, you know, a high percentage of the things that I create start with a question about myself and somehow I don't know necessarily what the answer is going to be, nor do I actually have a very clear concept of the question. But as I add layers in that creative thing, taking pictures, I'm sort of following a, a subject matter or writing a poem. I find myself in these pieces looking back at me. I'm like, there's my thinking. I was bugged by something. There's my thinking. It's there on the page. It might be embedded in a, in a poetry. That's like a, a sea shanty you know, that I wrote when I asked for a prompt. It could be embedded in a photo of, um, you know, today I took one of uh, the away sign at a baseball diamond and the sun kind of like the stringers coming off the backside. Like I walk away from that. I'm like, yeah, I can see how that's, that's a thing in my life, right? It's like almost like doing the, the um, getting your palm read, but you can do it yourself. Right? You don't need someone to kind of interpret the lines on your hand. You could look and like, oh, yeah, I know what that long line means. It's a cool process, right? Um, and again, the mental wellness part comes in, I think, in a couple different parts. One, you're able to step outside whatever it is you're analyzing. And that can be a refreshing. I mean, stoicism would say you get to the 10,000 feet. You can see the bigger picture that this little thing exists in. I think it also allows you to distance yourself this way. Like you don't have to be in the middle of it. That's another perspective taking. I think it also means that if you can free yourself up from, you know, okay, I make a watercolor, but then some random thing makes me think, I wonder if I put pencil crayon or crayon or glue on the watercolor. That's your mechanic buddy saying, you don't have to be defined. I'm a mechanic and I'm fixing your car and it's going to be fixed, but I don't have to be defined by what the manual is telling me to do because I can actually adjust it along the way and my lived experience makes it better. That's the cool thing about the creativity. And I really do, I, I, I feel that um, young men, young men or individuals, you know, identify as male, as far as the male experience of becoming whole, I think that creative those creative tools are, are critical. There's my TED talk.
you could flip. I didn't have much to say on it. I didn't have much to say on it. I didn't. I wish I knew that you were going to say that because then I could have queued up the music. Do, 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 oh, do. yeah. <laughs> you go. Dong. Oh, well. <laughs> Bro, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, it's still uh, like I grew up typical, typical male, mm -hmm. right? Like, but um, which is fine, I guess. And I'm, but I've kind of shifted and, um, I'm not going to give you specifics about what I'm about to say because it'll give away too much information for people who know me who listen. But I was once exposed to a coworker who was much more cerebral, and I appreciated that because it added an element. It added an element to me uh, being more than just like to to my growth, and then that that um, coworker left, and a new work co-worker came in who was all about the sports all the time mm -hmm. and I felt like part of me died like I felt like I need to keep growing I need to keep growing in the way that I was growing cerebrally I don't need to be talking about the sports 24 7 and then so then I found I had to move um, I didn't last long anymore in that space I had to move I moved to a new school because I felt like I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can find this conversation anywhere I want at work with guys. Sometimes I just don't want that. Um, and now, so from those experiences comes growth where I find myself working with males now and we can easily shift. I just shift. I'm like, hey, can I talk to you about this for a second? It has nothing to do with sports, not hockey, baseball. It's, it's about a situation mental health, um, pedagogy. Can we go there for a second? And then I find um, I find people step up to the plate uh, when I do that now. But then I was just weird. It was such a shift. To, it, was, it was like moving backwards, and I just wasn't interested in doing that anymore. I mean, tr trust me, there's room for it, right? Like, I love talking about my kids' sports. I love talking about sports, but I also like talking about stuff that we talk about here on the podcast. I believe it's it's important to uh, it's important to be well rounded, in my opinion, and understand different layers of life and be able to enter into those layers with some ease. And when you enter into a layer with no ease. What a great starting point for some learning and some growth if you find that that's uh, an area that you want to kind of move into. So good stuff, good stuff. Um, I would say I feel like, well, we started late today. We started late today. Um, I know you were chatting with your wife. I, mm -hmm. I made the mistake of checking in with the bunny rabbit who then required <laughs> some. Yeah, just tell me what happened there. That was it. That was that's the. Because it, it, you know, 10, 15 minutes earlier, I was picking up cat crap. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, my my cat, for some reason, has taken to, and I've done the research. Folks, friends, anyone listening, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about it. I've done the research as to why a cat won't, like, poop in their box regularly. And this, like, from the size to the smell to the depth to the texture to the light to the, you know, maybe my cat is a is a Pisces versus a Sagittarius. I don't know. Like there's so many elements and I love um, 
we watched part of i only watched part of it but there's a netflix show that's like the the mind of a cat and one of the quotes in this thing talks about like a cat is always will always be one generation away from being feral like you you they were talking about how you drop a bunch of cats into like an abandoned building the next generation is going to be back to feral again like they're they're hunting rats they're all good they'll make it dog not so much they're, they've been domesticated to the point that they just like oh and they just sort of like and you can test this by there's a really cool uh the dodo which is like you can they're like videos right it's like um it's just videos about animals and rescuing animals and if you look at the number of videos about rescuing cats kind of rescuing dogs like the cats tend to be like they're like let's go like they're just like they they'll fight being brought into a house but they're like living they're living a little bit better than the dogs like you, you you like there's a lot of them like yeah i just found this dog lying in a in a in a bush somewhere and the dog hasn't eaten the dog stopped caring for themselves like they just they can't do it the cat's like yeah like they, they go to grab it and the cat's like biting off the guy's finger and like mm, there the cat's good again like so anyways as you're as you're telling me that the bunnies has peed on the ground i'm like welcome to a possible inquiry into like the psychology of the domesticated house rabbit because i've tried to figure out my own cat like my cat will have a clean litter okay i can i can i could change the size of the litter box i've rotated through three different types of litter and the cat will crap right beside it it's communication bro the behavior is communication i just don't speak cat i don't speak cat that's all good so what happened today was so i wake up i go downstairs i'm thinking i'm looking at the time i see that you've sent me a polo so i'm going to listen to your polo and i'm going to uh I wanted to just sit outside and, and get some sun right when I woke up this morning. So mm -hmm. I turn on the polo. I see you outside walking. I'm like, awesome. So I want to just sit on my front step and just like get the sun into me for 10 minutes. I'm listening to you. I think uh, I'll put a coffee on so that when I'm done outside, I'll come in, grab my coffee, come upstairs, start the podcast. I look over at the bunny and he's he's standing at the where we where we open his cage that's a great indication now that we've spent a week with him well, has it been a week it'll be a week tomorrow but yeah. we've, already, we've already we're training him a certain way he's operating a certain way so he's standing there that means he he's expecting us to open the door and to play with him and to give oh, him some cool. treats and play so i'm like okay well i can't pass this up so I open the door and he comes out and he's he's hanging with me and I'm I'm enjoying this right, and then um, and then he just stops and I'm kind of learning how he does this right. He just and he doesn't do this all the time, but he did it today. So he stops and then I look and I'm like, oh shoot, he's he's peeing, which isn't a big deal. There's not a lot of it. It's not. So I, you're talking, you're talking on the phone. I'm supposed to, I'm like a minute or two away from coming up to do the podcast, grab my coffee. So I get up to go grab paper towel and I'm like, oh, I left the bunny out. <laughs> but he doesn't venture very far from his cage yet because he's just kind of exploring. So I come back, I clean up, I clean up his mess. Um, I do what I need to do with that. 
and then kind of hang with him for a little bit more. And then the minute he turned around and walked back into his cage, I was like, okay, it's time for me to podcast. But it was just funny. He literally stands there. And he's like this. He stands. He's on his back legs and his front paws are just kind of in front of him. And he's looking around. And he's sniffing. I'm like, he wants to play. So, um, yeah, that's all. Not a big deal. But, like, learning learning about him and how he operates and him learning about us, um, it's really fun. We've... Uh, we're happy to have them. So that's it. That's it. That's it. Next week, I'm back at school. We have a grade nine day on Mondays. So that'll be cool. Um, and then we roll into the week, dude. We roll into the week like business as usual. Maybe we'll see. That's still right. don't know what I still don't know what I'm going to be doing with the masking. You start school on Monday. Yep, you're unsure about the mask. Yep, unsure about the mask. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I told you I came home last night and my son's not feeling well. And we're like, mm -hmm. oh, here we go. Here we go. Because he just spent a week at hockey camp with no mask on. Nobody was wearing a mask. Yep. You know, when I dropped him off, when I went in to sign him in, I wasn't wearing a mask. There weren't a lot of people. When I went to watch him play, I made sure I was standing off on my own. There weren't any. Like, I'm still, I told you this yesterday, I'm still analyzing my my spaces. But, yeah, he didn't wear one all week. And he's been the one in the family, other than my wife, that gets masked no matter where he goes. It's yep. And it's funny because one day we got out of the car and he's like, Dad, where's your mask? And I'm thinking, well, I'm okay to not wear one in here, but. I didn't say that to him. I'm like, yeah, thanks, buddy. Open the door, grab the mask. If he wants to wear one, uh, I, I'm i not going to leave him out to dry. I'm his dad, so I'm going to put one on too so that he knows it's it's all good to wear the mask. Or at least that's my take on it. And um, so, yeah, we'll see how he's feeling. He's up. I, I heard him moving around, so we'll see if he still has the symptoms he had yesterday. We did a COVID test, and it came back negative. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's too early. Who knows, right? But anyway, he's not feeling so hot, so we got to deal with that. But hey, it's not school yet for us. If he does have yeah. COVID, we'll follow the protocols, and he should be he should be knock on wood, good in time to go back to school. Next yeah, good stuff on that. Week after to have the, yeah, to have the time. My kids, same thing. Um, my wife, same thing. Last year, I'm at an early start school in my board. She was at an early start school, so last year we were both kind of in this mode. Um, because she's administration, she stepped in and she's already, you know, creating that on ramp for the staff and students and the um, and the community. So she's in there mixing it up already. So it's uh, it's kind of it's fascinating to sort of think that my kids now are old enough to kind of just wait it out and enjoy, you know, the last the last few days. Uh, happy trails, Ramona. Enjoy the well. Enjoy whatever your last week. This is my last two days, my last two days of uh, of summer, so to speak. And um, yeah, it's just growth, eh? Growth, growth here. Five years ago, five years ago, you know, starting school meant it's amazing. You know, this pod five years ago. So five years ago, my kids would have been in grade four and grade two. That's a heavy context to sort of, you let that set in for a second, right? Like, and now they're going to high school. 
this is awesome. Ramona communicating with Dominique, and I'm posting it up. Hmm. We have nothing to do with this. She nope. doesn't want to talk to us. She wants to talk to Dominique. So let's hope that the two of them can connect and uh, <laughs> work. This is the, the, yeah, the de decoded <laughs> recipe sharing book club. Yeah. Can we see your art for today? Oh, yeah, yeah. A light bulb. Epic. I'm surprised it's not um, an empanada. From oh, yesterday. yeah. Props to Gaucho. Gaucho. Gaucho pies. Yeah. It, they were delicious. That I would say that was the bite. So just in the closer, right? The feedery. <laughs> feedery. Really interesting concept. So Gaucho pies. The. Um, what was it the what was the burger thing smash patties smash, yeah smash patties the smash burger good tasting burger the empanada that jalapeno pineapple pulled pork that's a whole lot of peas but it was delicious and the chicken chimichurri was good and their classic one the beef with the olive and egg damn tasty the feedery you got one of those near you folks check it out or in these gaucho gaucho pie company i think is in it is in toronto so you anyone in to go Shove it in your face. Delicious. Delicious. Well, this was season five, episode 41 of the Decoded Podcast. Summer school's over. Regular We're coming school. back with season six, baby. Season six, episode one. Hopefully next weekend. We'll see if we're available. Yeah. It Eventually yeah. it'll come. Um, until then, have a great week, Clough. And thanks, uh, Ramon and Dominique, for checking us out today. And anybody else who came on and uh, listened in for a bit, thanks. And um, Absolutely. Dominique gets the last word. It's an old recipe that she's used for years with my kids. So Dominique, connect with Ramona and make sure you share that out. That'd be epic. Decoded connects. <laughs> Peace. Peace.